Welcome to the Video Gamer Podcast, episode 224. My name is Conor Mahern, and with me this week, I love this man and his curvy body, it's Chris Hallam. Good afternoon, Colm. And as a teenager, she was often teased for her attraction to girls on the thicker side, it's Salisbury. Bell. That, I was not expecting that one this week. <laughs> well played. Thank you very much. Uh, well, I was actually struggling up until about a half an hour ago, and I remembered, oh yeah, that's what I'm meant to do now. I'm meant to pick a meme from the internet, and I was like, I, just, I was like, oh, the, the, the lad who put the thing on Instagram of his girlfriend, I mean, and I was like, yeah, that'll no, do. No one's told you. And the Brianna you, thing like, as well. I want to be clear that I didn't march up to Colm in the office and say, uh, for the podcast, I want you to do a meme at the start each week. No. Like, no, when no, you no. say meant to, it is a thing that you've done off your own back. I'm not having a go at it, because it is quite funny. Well, I, but I, I feel like I need to integrate into the kind of internet culture the a little bit more and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. In know. the words of the great Shakira, the hips do not lie. There was no podcast last week, I suppose. We need to kind of address the elephant in the room. Yeah. Um... Apologies, that's why uh, I suppose this podcast may be a bit meatier. We have a lot of things to discuss, a lot of games to discuss, a lot of news happening, all that jazz. But I had a lovely week off. I'll just put it out there, lads, just before you fucking rush to the microphones to ask me how my week off was. It was excellent. It involved a lot of R&R. Uh, which I believe is relaxation and recuperation, is it? <laughs> I always think of it as rest and relaxation. That's exactly but. what it is. But aren't, is that not, like, rest and relaxation, they're not the fucking same thing? Same thing, yeah. The same with recuperation? Well, uh, yeah, it's all it's all, all the same, all the R's. Why the R's? I don't know. Um but I know, like, you disconnected as well, didn't you? You, like, unplugged. Cause I, I, did, I, I just completely went, do you know what? Games, whatever. There was a, quite a lot to catch up on. Uh, I think it was, like, Sunday night. I just went, right. Like he, probably see what happened, I suppose. He just messaged me being like, what the fuck's this? What's going on here? <laughs> he walked in on Monday and said, Chris, I'll be honest. I don't know what the fuck has happened this last week. Yeah. And I was fucking delighted to say so, because that's why you're meant to take a holiday. Uh, and it was great. I thoroughly enjoyed it. On to the news that happened over the past seven days. And what our kind of leading story is... Fucking so interesting, right? Because this only happened at time of recording, like uh, an hour, well, a couple no, of hours this, ago, like this, nine a.m. ish. Yeah, this morning when the Hellblade embargo lifted, it was discovered that Hellblade Senua—is that right? Senua or Shen- Shenua? Senua. Senua. Uh, Senua's sacrifice has a sort of permadeath. Yeah. Um, so basically, if you die a lot in Hellblade, which I believe Alice Bell is at eight times. Yeah, so there's the f- there's a battle early on, like one of the first things, uh, one of the first fights you do that you can't win, and Senua gets uh, infected on her hand with this kind of dark rot stuff, and every time you die subsequently, it gets it creeps further up her arm, and uh, once it reaches her head, which is where apparently the the Celts thought the soul lived um, then that's it you'll say it gets wiped and you have to start the whole thing again I, I like when this came to, to light I suppose there was two very differing opinions one camp very cross one kind of I don't know taken by the idea and I'm kind of leaning more towards the latter well I guess it's I, kind of a middle camp who are like it is very interesting but also I'm not going to buy the game because of it see <sighs> 
like the issue, yeah, the issue is, and I like I without having played it, I haven't seen it put into practice. And I said it earlier in the office that like if I let's say the game is about because I think people are saying it's about eighty hours long. Mm. So let's say I've played it for seven and a half hours. I'm on the last boss, and the boss kills me, and it's my eighth death, and that fucks me back to the start of the game. Yeah, I, I, I can see myself probably getting a little bit pissed off with that. Like, I think it's a very interesting mechanic, though, and I think maybe would be better, maybe better utilized in in a shorter game, in a game that's maybe half the length or something like that. Again, haven't seen it put into practice. Um, it's interesting because I mean, it's it's not obviously the first time it's been done. Uh, and actually it's been done quite a lot quite recently in indie games and stuff uh, there's a game I'll talk about later that kind of does a similar thing um, and obviously as well like that's how games used to be anyway like in arcades when they first died you'd put like your quid in or whatever yeah it'd be and then, brutal wouldn't it and then that was like that was it you had that number of lives and I when you ran out that was it I only had 50p so a bit hard for me but like I think there is a way they could deal with it um what you could do is you could um essentially what they do is you have those you could have an achievement that you get for completing the game whilst not dying eight times whereas if you died say the eighth time and you were in the latter parts of the game you could choose like a basically a cheap out like a continue of sorts to kind of continue on with the journey but you don't actually get that end game reward that would be one way of appeasing those people that said, I'm not going to buy the game. But then does that not, from a narrative point of view, like this is... It it defeats the purpose. Because that, that's what I like about it, is that, uh, like another game, like a game that comes to mind is XCOM. Like death matters in XCOM because yeah. they make you think that your squad members but it's matter. It's finite, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So like, it's the same in this where, yeah, every with every death you see the kind of black, whatever, kind of kind of shit on her arm mm. kind of reach her skull and the closer it gets then it gets to her skull and she dies and with DEFCOM they uh, with XCOM sorry they at least you get replacements whereas in obviously Senua's Sacrifice I could see why some people would be turned off I think it's a great idea personally and I think I think it's very brave and I'm kind of glad that they are being brave in that way and kind of going, do you know what? Fuck it. Let's take that step and let's do it. Mm. It will be brutal and it will turn some people off. But I think sometimes you do need a challenge to fully appreciate something. I, I mean, I was at uh, the like a, a kind of Q&A and like a presentation for the launch of Senua this morning as all this was happening in real time on the Twitters. So I, in the Q&A, just asked them about it. Uh, and um, the idea is that, like, it, you know, it's supposed to be a threat. It's supposed to, like, they have made it so that the player does feel an actual threat from it, and the most effective way to do that is if you have to start the whole game again, not, yeah. not if you have to reload from, you know, before just before you died last, the eighth time kind of thing. Um, and they've done a lot of stuff and taken out a lot of kind of, stuff that people expect from games now not necessarily as you know when games were first new uh but what people have come to expect from games now in 2017 so there's no like um there's no hood hud overlay and that kind of thing um because that it's all kind of in service to the narrative and um the kind of immersion of it or mm-hmm. at least that's that's what they're going for yeah um because obviously we haven't played it yet um 
And another thing that was brought up is that like they've never described this game as fun because it's not meant to be necessarily. I've I've uh, I've been a firm believer for a long time that games don't have to be fun. Like they can they can be challenging in a variety of ways. They can be challenging in uh, how how you play them and like a, like a Dark Souls or whatever. But then some people kind of see that as as fun. But they can challenge you in that way or can challenge you like uh, mentally with a, a tough subject to deal with or whatever. So like, I, I don't think a game has to be fun. So like, mm. I, I think that's a, a valid thing to say. It's yeah. a creative outlet, isn't it? So the thing is, people will never take games seriously unless people push the boundaries. And it will never be taken seriously as an art form or an expression format unless people are willing to kind of push things in a different way and test people mm. so i think it's it's difficult but it's brave but people mm. don't like change chris well, see that's the problem they want to keep things it. the exact same well let's see for that or get good or pay money to change things no. that's another, that's another, way. Oh, that's another way to do it fucking bang look at that like a fucking uh but yeah middle earth shadow of war warner brothers announced on its blog that Shadow of War will have loot boxes and premium currency so that you can level up Talion, the protagonist of the game, more quickly than if you didn't really, uh, more quickly than if you just played the game normally. Uh, you can buy loot chests, war chests, and XP boosts from the in-game shop called The Market. And, uh, yeah, basically get, get good uh, quicker. This, naturally enough, had people up in arms because... Here you have a full price game with microtransactions yet again. And I believe didn't they, they came out and kind of said, you know, you don't have to buy it. That kind of the stock answer, effectively. Yeah. It, basically, they were like, well, it's not a requirement of the, pe- of the player to buy the gold, the premium currency, in order to um, progress. There's two currencies. There's Mirian, and then there's the gold and the gold... Um, you can actually get it in small quantities for completing tasks in the game. Mm. You've played this, haven't you, Alice? So, uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, you, okay then. Sorry, I thought you had done. Um, but um, as you progress through the game, that you can gain small quantities of gold from completing certain tasks. Um, but if you want to get more gold and fast, you've got to put your hand in your pocket, mm-hmm. which isn't great. I mean, the thing is. I am not a fan of microtransactions in games like this. But also, people have shown that they don't give a shit and will buy it anyway. So what are you going to yeah. do? You know? Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it's. I mean, this is the controversial point. Like, the price of video games hasn't really gone up, even though the costs of creating video games have. Um, the value and, of sterling has gone down, though. Yeah, the value of sterling has gone down. So it's like, it's a means of them getting money back but still i don't like the way that they that developers implement it sometimes or even publishers force developers to implement it i mean in the case of this game i don't really see the need for it because what they've done is turned something which was a great adventure game originally and now they've added something in which is then in turn in theory may have turned it into a bit of a slog for no reason mm-hmm. and i think that's unfair on the gamer because you're kind of taxing and punishing the gamer you do wonder, don't you, how if you asked, you know, obviously if you ask a member of the development team about it, they'll go, yeah, we think we've implemented it in a really great way. It's a natural progression yeah. for the game or whatever. 
you do wonder how many of them, if you ask them off the record, would go, yeah, it was fucking shit, but like they made us do it. Like uh, I would say quite a lot, mm. to be honest. Uh, knowing a few developers uh, throughout the years who like have made their... Like they they will make their intentions or their kind of their feelings I should say about microtransactions known. Like they play games like the rest of us, and I'm sure when they're playing a game and their their progress is gated or whatever because they have to give a fiver in, they're probably just, just as pissed off as we up are. The time, yeah, yeah. Do we know how it went? Because it does have an online mode now, right? Like a ranked kind of play against other people. It so does, I wonder how it'll more. interact with that. Well, the gold. The only reason, the only thing I know about, obviously, in terms of the microtransactions for the single player aspect, um, it's you buy the gold and you have to connect to the marketplace. That's online. And then they announced like the ranked mode yesterday, but I don't know enough about that to really comment on that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. You just wonder how it, because I mean, with For Honor, if you were in a 1v1 duel, you got all your abilities that you'd bought stripped off. So that you were just kind of mano e mano. That's right. Actually, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Do they just take away everything down to the bare basics? Yeah, or? just for the match. Oh, them. that's cool. Um, which is kind of a good way of doing it. Um, that doesn't help in like four v four matches where you get dicked on. But no, no, it doesn't. No, but there's a there is a way of implementing DLC into a game and doing it. And implementing microtransactions in a way which is effective to the game. Say, even though it didn't sell gangbusters, Titanfall 2 really did a good job with it. Mm-hmm. And um, if, um, so like, say with Titanfall 2, they released all the DLC, like all the map packs and all the game modes, they were all free. And the only thing that the player ever actually had to pay for was, it was just cosmetics. It was just how it looked. And the thing is, that didn't enhance you in any way. It was just more a case of personalizing your character. And I think that was a far more effective way of doing it. Well, yeah, I think like the cosmetic thing people don't have an issue with because yeah. fuck it, if someone wants to wear a red hat and the other person wants to wear a green hat and they want to pay for it, then yeah, so be it. Yeah, fair dues. Like, you know, Team Fortress with hats, for example. Exactly, yeah. Like, let, let the people speak with their wallets. That's yeah. generally how the market works. And that's how Capcom are looking at the Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Uh, because they said that the success of Monster Hunter, I believe it's XX and not 20. It's Double Cross. You're fucking spot on. It is Double Cross. Because yeah. I remember Christ. someone saying that before and I was like, that's silly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like that band that is called like Alt J, but it's, the name is like a symbol or all that kind of shit. Alt J, uh. are they, Alt J aren't a symbol, are they? I know there's they're, lower, that, they're well, lowercase. There's one that's like Alt or Command something. It's because when you do Alt and then press that letter on a map. Are you on about um? Oh no, no, no. Well, Justice's first album was like a cross. It was called Cross, but it was the like the cross. Of- oh, I don't know. And then there's like there's that band called like the XX, but it, you're supposed to make like a kiss noise on the radio. Oh, yeah. I did not know that. I thought the XX were called the XX because that's why the fuck would you think it's the so mwah. That's fucking very silly. So it should be Monster Hunter with love then. My, yeah, exactly. So uh, Capcom are, they're basically basing their support uh, for the Nintendo Switch on how Monster Hunter double cross. Double cross? What the fuck yeah. did you say? Double cross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Monster how, Hunter sending love, but like not sure how you feel about them yet. <laughs> Monster so Hunter like, backstabbing bastard. Uh, they're, how that does, basically, they're going to, uh, yeah, they're, Nintendo Switch support is going to be based on that. Um, which 
I think you, Chris, you were saying that like that's a like if you're basing it on that, it almost seems like a strange one to base it on because that's surely going to do well uh, in in Japan. Absolutely. I mean, in Japan, it's it will sell probably as many copies as people can get consoles. So, I mean, if any, if you're aware of kind of the success of Monster Hunter, obviously in the Far East, um, it is always sold a couple of million in the week or the weeks that it's come out so it's always been a massive seller out there so um them basing it on that is silly i think it'd be far more reasonable if they were going to say they were basing switch sales well switch support on monster hunter sales if they gauged how it performed in the west Mm -hmm. if they were going to do that but i mean they said the same about what was the other game Well, like, I, I, what you, we've seen this with Nintendo consoles all, like, with the last, at least Wii U and Wii. Yeah. Um, and I mean, hopefully Monster Hunter, moi, moi does actually do very well, because if, the, if it does, then, uh, yeah, Capcom will hopefully support it, and that will spur other third-party devs to support it as well. Yeah. Because, like, whilst... Like, everyone looks at their Nintendo machine as their kind of Nintendo-exclusive machines. Yeah. It would be nice if they had some third-party third support as well and gave gave people the option to buy third-party games on the Nintendo console too. Yeah, you know? I mean, like, the 3DS has pretty much been the Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter machine for the last seven years. Or last six years, actually. So, it's if it doesn't didn't come to the Switch, it would be a bit of, like in the West, it'd be a bit of a shock. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's like, it's almost like um, when you used to have, like, say, Crash Bandicoot just on PlayStation, mm-hmm. and then it went across to the Xbox, and that was a bit weird. Now, if Monster Hunter didn't come out on a Nintendo console now, after all those years of being on there, it would be really strange. Well, I mean, but sometimes strange is good, and sometimes different is good, <laughs> which is the complete yeah. to what I said earlier. Uh because Stardew Valley is adding multiplayer, mm. which I know, Alice, you are uh, excited about. Uh, so yeah, the Stardew Valley multiplayer beta uh, is starting, I think it's later this year, and they're looking to bring multiplayer in proper in early 2018. Yeah, uh, it's, it's an interesting one because the game was never built with multiplayer in mind. Yeah. So they've had to go back in and so far have rewritten 15,000 lines of code in order to... So far. So like this is... It's still not finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like basically uh, when you start up... So before you would start the game and you would... Because you're going to have to explain to me because yeah, I've played an hour of it. Um, So you start the game game and you just have a nice farm. You have your nice farm, but... Now you'll be you and three other friends will kind of start at the same time and yeah. have separate farms within a close proximity. Uh, no, so you will uh, when you start the game have the option to uh, get the carpenter to build up to three or four log cabins. Oh, okay. On your farm, which will be where your farm hands live, <laughs> and they are your friends. Okay. So they work for you, god damn it. So it's so, so yeah. you all till the soil and sow the seeds of love together. Yeah, so the the uh your mates can do everything you can so they can farm, uh they can fight. Um they can't so the main player uh chooses when to like trigger festivals and stuff like that. Um and if you're online while they're not their person will just chill out in the cabin kind of thing. All right, okay. Um, So it sounds like you sort of, 
rather than like drop in, drop out to multiple games, you sort of have one game all together. Um, sure, yeah, but if you were like a farmhand, I don't know. Would I'm sure you, not- you could have your own farm as well. I'm sure people will have all their own farms going. Yeah. And then we'll... I think you'd have to. But um, the I, you can also marry your friends as well, which is apparently a much requested feature. <laughs> Assuming that's <laughs> right. not going to be weird. Is marriage a part of Stardew Valley? Yeah. Is it? That's one of the weird... Like, Stardew Valley is a different game depending on how you play it. So it could be a farming sim, or it could be like a dungeon crawler, or it could be a dating sim. Is it like Harvest Moon then? Kind of? In a way? And I then, mean, it's it's very good. I mean, a dating sim? Yeah, because there are loads of different villages in it, and you can marry one of them. I mean, I've I've got it on the the Mac, and I've, I've played it a little bit, but I never, I mean, like, I never really got into a relationship with anybody on it. That sounds really weird, doesn't it? But um, I try to build a relationship with people, but I never really got that Yeah, it far. takes a while. Yeah. You have to give them presents I on their birthday the and shit. I did put investment in, yeah. There's a whole thing, like, there's a, a calendar for the village, and it has when people's birthdays are, and if you give them a present on their birthday, they like you more and all this kind of stuff. I mean, just like real life. Right. You know, you got to give people presents, and the hottest present at the minute is a fucking fidget spinner. I'm... I mean, well done. That was that was very good, very quick as well. To be fair, yes. um, so yeah, someone I don't know when, but someone recently has released a fidget spinner game called Fidget Spinner Simulator on Steam, Red Square Studios, uh, for one dollar, right, or ninety nine cent, uh, and that's grand, right? So cheap and cheerful, yeah. But the developer, as Chris points out, Red Square Studios has now released DLC for. Uh, for, uh, and it's available at $30 for a limited time, but yeah. its actual price is $50. And I don't, what is the DLC, Chris? I think well, you're, you're more in the know about this. Oh, than I am. I'm down on my fidget spinners. Um, basically, um, what you get with this DLC is you get a, um, premium gold, um, fidget spinner, gold plated fidget spinner, mm-hmm. and you also get a gold plated fape. Vape. Like, in real life or in the game? No, no, in the, in, not in real life, in the game. So you can, like... That's... Does that get you more <laughs> points, or...? You immediately unlock the premium member achievement. Okay, so it's an achievement, so it's $30 for fucking achievement. Oh, no. I wasn't no, aware of that. $30 for now, dive on in, guys, because well, it'll be $50 soon. That's true, yeah. This is bullshit. I mean, most definitely, actually. I wasn't the aware your is. pay is actually just fucking... You're paying for, for you're an paying achievement. You're paying for paying for an achievement. No, but the best bit is, when you, like, say, say you buy this game for a um, dollar, or 79p here, um, you the second that you log on to the game, all of the other achievements are immediately unlocked. Oh, so you don't have to do anything. So you have yeah. to get... Oh, my God. So, and the aim of the game is you kind of go around on a hoverboard, um, fidget spinning, and now with the premium member DLC, mm-hmm. you can vape. Excellent. Fucking, Jesus Christ. God-awful. Yeah. Gotti of the year. On to what we've been playing. Alice Bell. Colin Mahan. Over the past, well, no, probably only took you about two hours, really, to be fair. Uh, but uh, over the past week, at some stage, you played Fulbright's new game, Tacoma. I did, as did you. I did. Interesting. So I, <laughs> well, I'm interested because we haven't actually spoken at all about what you thought of it. 
Uh, no, we haven't. Because um, I thought it was very good. Not quite as good as Gone Home. Mm-hmm. Um, but still very good. What did you think? Well, yeah, like, obviously a lot of... A lot of hype, I think, coming into this uh, for a certain section of the audience because of this being Fulbright's second proper game. Like, their, their first game since Gone Home, which was very well received, uh, is... I suppose no, it wasn't the. F- I was going to say it was the first of its kind. I suppose Dear Esther is probably the first of its kind, but Gone Home, I think, I don't know. A lot of people gravitated towards that. It was a, a well-told story at the time. Um, it was just I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Gone Home. I, I'd never played anything like it at, up to that point. Tacoma takes a lot of the ideals in Gone Home, and you're in space. I suppose. It, it's the same, yeah, it's the same type of game, but it feels a bit more directed. Like in Gone Home, you walk into this house and you have free reign, basically. Like you can finish the game in fucking 10 minutes, can't you? Uh, if you know what to go into the little yeah. door and all that kind of shit. Uh, but yeah, here it is. Oh, well, you're, you're, you arrive at the space station and you're, what are you doing, Alice? You're you're kind of inspecting a um a distress call or something like that, aren't you? Um, so without giving without giving anything away. Well, it's difficult because you start. at the start you're not really sure why you're there. Well, yeah, you're you're kind of you you're kind ins- of find out you're you're you find out you're like a contractor who's been sent to this empty space station to collect information and kind of take the AI core. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. um, because you you go into three I think it's three different areas, isn't it? And you have this. Uh, electronic device that kind of all, almost looks like a book. You put it in a little kind of a caddy and you download data. Yeah. And whilst, whilst you're doing that, you go and um, have a look at conversations that uh, the inha- previous inhabitants of the space station mm. had. But the, get to know them. What I thought was interesting is that you kind of don't have to. Mm. The information will download. If you just stand and wait, yeah. the it info w- will download. And then it you will can... take longer though, won't it? Yeah, I think so. But then you can just but I, I, yeah, I know, I, I, know um, I know what you're saying, yeah. And it does do, is there's a lot of that environmental storytelling that you see in, in Gone Home with just stuff that you find around mm-hmm. that tells you more about the way these people live hmm. and, and them as persons, like the, the crew on um, Tacoma. And there are also clues that kind of give away the ending a bit. But I found, like, what I felt was maybe not an issue but might become an issue for Fulbright is that like Gone Home, like you, you play Gone Home and you think it's a horror story, right? And then it turns out it's kind of not. So with this, you're like, right, so it's going to subvert the sci-fi genre somehow. Mm-hmm. So then I found that I could sort of tell what was going to happen. Right. You could at, read the story beats. Like, because it was setting up the story to kind of feel one way. I was like, right, so that's what I'm expecting to happen. So it's, <laughs> so gonna, it's gonna be, gonna the, be other the other thing. thing. Yeah, uh, and I, I, I felt that a little bit as well. I enjoyed how how you see these conversations, these conversations that happened days prior to you arriving on the space station. In some cases, kind of months. How you see these kind of play out hmm. uh, because you you get this thing kind of at the start, don't you? Like some AR. Yeah, so it's all thing. it's all in AR that uh, when you arrive on the ship, you get like an AR plug-in thing that you can stick either side of your head, and that will allow you to see an AR overlay, which is really cool. There's some cool stuff like your body gets it's like mapped. in Horizon Zero Dawn. When yeah, kind of like that. Of, yeah, mm. and she kind of 
Yeah. Like, yeah. And she can scan environments with that. But it's you don't scan. It's just it's, that's what you see. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just see these conversations, and you can then play and rewind the conversations. And so, like, there's there's six people on the space station. So at one time, let's say there might be two or three different conversations going on. Yeah. So for the two minutes that this scene is playing out, you'll stay with three certain people who are having conversation. And then mm-hmm. you can rewind back to the start and go to the other three people who are also having conversation. Oh, okay. I thought I quite liked that idea. And and you could kind of follow people uh, as they were kind of m- moving mm. uh, in, in the scene. You could rewind it and follow each person's individual journey. Then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Well, cool. I, I thought, do you know the way, like in the kind of timeline of a, like, let's say a, a two, two and a half minute scene, and you have these markers that will tell you Basically, there are there are different people. there are markers that come up on that tell you like someone's using like their AR computer basically. Yeah. So then you can find them and look at um, kind of restore information from like their emails or like messages or info they've had uh, or conversate like I am conversations yeah. they've had, which I, are really interesting. I th- I think it, uh, the game would have benefited from not telling you. Mm where because it kind of almost told you where to go it almost holds your hand too much well it's just like you'll see a little thing on the bar below that will be um a thing will pop up and it'll show an orange kind of a symbol and that because each each character also is kind of color color coded so then you go oh well i know i'm gonna have to look out for the orange person at that point within this scene Uh and then when they pull up their little ar computer i interact with it and i can get their data I suppose you know yeah Um, I enjoyed it I enjoyed it and I think it told a nice story but I don't know I, I kind of uh, and it, I suppose it's difficult because you're going to constantly compare it to Gone Home but I just I don't know for me it was just a tad bit too directed and also as you as you're saying Alice because of the twist, because of what you kind of, uh, the, the twist in their previous work, you're kind of almost expecting that again. And you're, I know you're kind of reading it before. Um, yeah. Before and you're looking happens. for it rather than enjoying what's happening. Yeah. But yeah. I think that'll be, it'll, it will knock on effect how I look at the third game as well. So, I, like, or the next game or any other games they do. Like, mm-hmm. if they do, like, I don't know, what's another genre? Like, a fucking. Whatever, shooter? Yeah, or? shooter. And then it's like, oh, we've done a thing. Like, <laughs> there actually are no guns in the game. Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. done if it was real all along. Like, yep. if they do something like that again, then it's then it's becoming like a trope. Then oh, it's becoming a thing that Fulbright do that you that becomes predictable. Almost. Mm-hmm. But then I suppose in that case, then you just have to... You have to kind of break down those walls and you have to kind of watch, watch all those walls kind of falling. Mm. Which is what you did recently. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Alice Bell, you played a game called All Walls Must Fall. They must fall. Yeah, so it's out uh, on Steam Early Access and itch.io. 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 I never heard to say yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. I generally go with itch.io. Itch.io. Uh, today. So it's not finished. Like It's not full release yet. And they're still adding more to the game and stuff. Um so I played like a kind of early access preview rebuild. Um and it's very it's so far it's very interesting, very good. It's it's a kind of it's basically set in a kind of now slash future where the Cold War never ended and just was always going on. So it's in Berlin. Right. Um the bit I played was East Berlin. 
and you are an agent for Stasis, which is kind of like the time cops, I'm guessing from context. Um, and it all takes place over one night, because uh, uh, like basically a nuke goes off, and you are because you're a time cop, you can rewind to I think like ten hours or so before it happens, uh, and then you try and stop it over a series of missions. I didn't play loads of it. Um, and they are still adding bits. So I, you know, they're mm. adding like a West Berlin and stuff as well. Um, but it was really interesting in the way it was set out. So the first mission you do is to kill this guy. And then you do a mission to kind of, uh, find out like more info. Like you, you kill this guy. And then a couple of missions later, you interrogate him and you're like, but I thought I killed this guy. And then your handler is like, but you're, you know, you're ah. a time cop. Uh, and then you follow the lead you get from interrogating him. Uh, and then that person says that he was lying. And in fact, the, the person he fingered was not the right person. Uh, and then you, you, and then you say to Johanna, like, well, I should go back and kill him. And Johanna's like, you already did. It's a turn-based game. It's sort of, tactic game. It's, it reminds me of Syndicate from what I've seen of it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of turn-based-ish. You, okay. In that you will, um, you can pause, uh, and shoot and then like you can see the bullets coming towards you so you can kind of try and move out of the way of them like super party. well it's top down kind of a bit super party, yeah oh. uh, and then when you've completed it it'll kind of when you've finished an action like killing people or a shootout it will rewind and then play through it at full speed um, I mean that, that, yeah that's fucking super hard I'm very intrigued to play it and is yeah. it so are, is it these um Kind of singular missions. Yeah. So you, the, the ones I played were all like you would, um, you get out of your car outside a nightclub and then you go into the nightclub and you maybe interrogate some barmen by like flirting with them or being nice to them mm. or, um, yeah, kill someone or, and you have to like get through the security and not get spotted by security drones and you have six bullets in your gun. It's a handgun. Um, and then you get paid after each mission so you can buy maybe like unlock another weapon slot or buy a better weapon, or all this kind of stuff. It's actually quite hard as well. Mm. Um, and interestingly, if you... So you can rewind. Like, if your guy dies, you can rewind to before he, he died and kind of go, shit, right. Um, but if you do it too much, you will kind of run out of time-ish. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. And then you have to start the night again. So, uh, you have to start all over again. It's a little bit of um, like permadeath. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, what was the game you played earlier this year? Sexy Brutal, where you kind of um, well, well no, because like yeah. you Sexy Brutal, you just keep going again. That's very um, fair. I was completely wrong. Do you know what else is a game that isn't like all walls must fall? Pyre. But my God, what a fucking game! What a fucking game! Me- meatier than I first thought. I think it was about took me about 12ish hours and that was because I got to a point where I just had to fast forward some of the conversations because it is a little bit long in the tooth in that regard but what a fucking game what is Pyre don't worry Chris I'll tell you Pyre <laughs> is a sort of an adventure come sports game so uh, you've two aspects to it like you are an exile or you've been exiled from shit what's the name of the place uh, I can't remember, but you've been exiled to a place called the Downside, okay. and you meet 
three people that go on to become your buddies who are collectively known as the the Nightwings and you hop on their caravan and you just kind of travel around the place, right? And every now and again, you get more people into your party uh, and you all become wonderful friends and it's all fantastic. And you can talk to the... or Yeah, you can kind of talk to these people at certain points, get to know them. Uh, there is a few points where you do actually... Uh, you can sort of change certain things like I think you know but I mean like because there's one point where one of the characters is like a massive rat effectively yeah. and he has a tash and he asks you is that the one you want to shave yeah, it yeah exactly yeah, yeah, he asks you if you should should I shave or not no I haven't seen anyone who told, tells him to shave because who's going to tell a rat to shave his tash off? You know, you have to keep that. So I obviously did. Uh, but yeah, you come across those types of instances or there's one character, I think it's the fourth character you get on board. You can say, like she comes on, she's like, I can't remember my name. I don't know what it was. And you get like variants. Uh, like for instance, I called her May, but you can call her, there's like May, Day, Babe, blah, 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 blah. So like mm. there are certain little things you can tinker with, I suppose. Okay. But yeah, the other kind of aspect I suppose the end game for the story is to all of your party want to go back to not being exiles go back to kind of living in I can't remember the name of the place but yeah back to there basically and you do that by via these trials um, Mm. where so basically, right, do you remember in uh, Gladiators, right? Yeah. There was this... Yeah. There was this... Yeah, yeah. There was this game... Because a lot of people are co- comparing it to basketball and it's like, mm, kind of, but... I think it's more like... There was a game in Gladiators called Powerball, I think it was. Yeah. Where there would be these kind of like little... Uh, I suppose, I don't know, what would you call them? Little kind of goals on the ground. Yeah. Where... And it's like a mix between basketball and dodgeball where you must pass the ball to each your teammates and get in the hole, right? Pyre, the gameplay aspect of Pyre is that hmm. it's three of your um, uh, fellas and girls up against three uh, an opposing three fellas and girls and you both start off unless you have kind of buffs and debuffs because that's another aspect to it you both start off with a Pyre yeah. which is your kind of goal uh, at like 100 points and you must get the I think it's what do they call it in the game I think it's an orb but you must get that into the opposing team's Pyre yeah. and there's a lot of little kind of rules along the way but that's the kind of basic premise of it because let's say so I have three characters and one of them you can score by either throwing it into the pyre or you jumping into the pyre yourself yeah and let's like if you throw it into the pyre the game resets like not to the start but like that round let's call it resets and it kind of starts off at an even playing field again Uh, but if you if you throw it in you'll start the next one with three. But if you jump in, you'll start the next one with two. Okay. And there's kind of like a a cool down. There's a couple of seconds before that person who jumped in can restart. And there's also the opposition can... What do they call it in the game? I can't remember. But there's this cone that comes out of you. you. If you press a button, that can kind of evaporate your opponents. Okay. And it's just really cool. Like, I think there's about six different character types in the game that all have all have kind of um, different approaches and and by kind of messing around with combinations you can figure out what is the best what is the best approach like one of the characters in Pyre is this kind of massive lumbering slow character but they also like they're a cone of 
pain. <laughs> it's called <laughs> the um, cone of pain. The yeah. co- their cone of pain is quite like it covers quite a, de- a decent bit of area. And if they get the orb into the pyre, yeah. I think it was like thirty points. Like you would knock off of their pyre. Whereas let's say you have a nippier character whose cone of pain might be like a little bit less. And when they jump into the pyre, they might only do 15 um, points of damage. Yeah. There's a lot of like these little kind of intricate Is it only a single kind of player game? No, which is it's almost like you read the scripts, uh, Chris. There is a multiplayer mode, but it is only local. Oh. Um, it would be nice if it was it online. It sounds like an eSport game waiting to happen, doesn't it? It's, oh, it's fucking really cool. I really liked it. I thought it looked like American football when I watched it, to be honest with one, you. Do you know, with like the, the throwing and the touching kind of like that. Yeah. But there's a lot to like about it, but I would say that it's probably a little bit long, like yeah. the, main, the main story of it. Uh, How many hours did you reckon? Yeah, as you I say, about it? ten to twelve. But All right. uh, for the last two or three, I was probably just blowing through a lot of the conversations. I don't know. They were kind of repeating themselves a little bit. What is that? Your sidekicks? What's that? Was that your your sidekicks? The people in your party? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's your your conversation with um your your party and and you have conversations with like uh kind of before matches and after matches. There you can chat to the um. The opposition and stuff like that. Does that have an effect on it, or, um, or is it just like a kind of? The conversations do do a little bit. Like when you're kind of traveling to one of these uh, these matches, yeah, you have different kind of paths. Like your caravan, you see it across a map, like it moves along, yeah. and it'll say, you know, choose if you choose path A. Chris says he might. Like it'll, it'll say it'll word it in whatever way, but it'll yeah. basically be like Chris will get a boost for the next match, or if you take this path, Alice ah, will get a boost okay. for the next match. So it's like a morale so have, boost. It'll so you kind XP of you, boost. You, yeah, or like say it'll boost. It'll make the cone of pain bigger. I apologize, I can't remember what it was called. Or it'll make you know they'll score more points if you if you take this route. All those yeah. kind of little little things. Really liked it. If really anyone like would it. like to join a progressive metal band called the Cone of Pain, please apply to <laughs> videogamer.com. Or, do you know what would be a good name for a metal band as well? It would be Super Sidekicks. <laughs> that, I, 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 I feel like Super Sidekicks is more like a pop punk. Yeah, kind of. they sound like a bit, I don't know, like dance techno or something crazy. I think like that's that's Tom DeLonge's new No, new but Tom DeLonge is serious now. Is he? Yeah, well, I mean, Angels and Airwaves. Like yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, all right, all right, okay. Like Pete, Pete Wentz from Fallout Boy, his side project is called. There you go, Super Psychics. No, you're onto it. Uh, but it's also a game that just came out on the Nintendo Switch, brand new. Indeed, it did. It's it just came out on the Nintendo Switch, but it's actually 25 years old. Colin, what the Alice. fuck? Yeah, it came out in 1992. May. I know on the Neo Geo arcade entertainment system. Older than Alice. I was born at no. It's it's, older than Alice. Carry on, Chris. It's not. It's older than Alice. It's older than Alice. Absolutely. But, I was um, born in 1992. It, it, it came out in 1992 on the Neo Geo arcade system and on the home entertainment system, the AES. Um, it's just it was like the first football game on the Neo Geo, and I remember playing it as a kid in the arcade. Um, and it's just recently come out on the Nintendo Switch, so I thought six pound thirty. Why not? That's fucking expensive. But all those like, I mean, not really. Actually, I, know, I think I got I got my money's worth out of it. Well, I was going to say about you, three games. Like, if you're going to compare it to actual, like I know Neo Geo games themselves are absolute highway robbery. Oh, if like you wanted to, to buy it on cartridge, it was 
couple of hundreds. Oh, well, I don't, I don't think it was that high. It's not like a guru mark of the wolves or anything like that. Mm. But um, it it was still not cheap. It was still about 40, 50 quid if you wanted to get one. And then if you want to buy the system anyways, yeah, you've got to pay an absolute fortune. So for, uh, like, I've never played Super Sidekicks. Super I know Sidekicks. very little about it. It's, it's your old school arcade um, football game. You've got 12 teams in it. There's not that many in there. Amusingly, um, Spain are actually playing in Portugal's colours. <laughs> yeah. Why? It's just, obviously, they weren't very good. Okay. Um, and they didn't do their research properly. And there's this hilarious bug that I found, actually, when I was playing upstairs. And um, when the computer, is, say if you're playing two-player, well, actually, no, say if you're just playing with a controller and you've got a spare controller with you and it's turned on mm. and you're playing against the computer, when the computer's about to go and take a free kick, if you just tap the A button just once on the second controller, the computer just does a short free kick. Now, if you hold the A button, then it does a long one. So you can use that to your advantage to hobble the computer. Uh, so I be- I was beating the computer like 11 or 12 nil. <laughs> but, um, that's, a, that's a strange bug. Yeah. yeah. So, well, what's... Like, uh, well, it's, what, what, what was special about Super Sidekicks? What was special? Well, it was probably one of the first football games I played. Um, and then in an arcade, I mean, I played stuff like Goal and Kickoff and things like that. But in terms of arcade games, it looked, it's, because you've kind of got like your view now, what you play football games are now, which is your kind of like wide view mm. almost, but it's a bit more pushed in. It wasn't overhead like football games used to be at the time on home consoles. So for me, it was like a, a visual revelation. You, it's a sprite-based football game and you can just run around mullering everybody. Oh, it's brilliant. You just kick the crap out of everyone. Nor every to, uh, no, to pull you back. No, but the thing is, there are fouls in the game, but I was running around taking people out like Roy Keane and nothing and then the computer would file me and it's just dead easy to score it's, it's really fun i mean it's it's such a stupid game but it, it's great fun uh a stupid title for a game a stupid title for a is game is leighton's mystery journey colon catriel and the millionaire's conspiracy jesus what a crap title that's All right, that, then. that's that's a mouthful but now I've never played a Professor Layton game. Have you not? No. Oh, they're brilliant. I played one on the 3DS. I I, I, I mix them up yeah. with uh, what's the other guy? They're, I'm sure that they're tied in somehow, aren't they? Ace oh, Attorney. Ace, Ace Attorney. Attorney. Yeah. The guy who so says Phoenix Wright. Yeah, there was Hang a on, crossover. Phoenix Wright. Hang on. I'm Phoenix Wright. Ace Attorney. Yeah. So Professor Layton has nothing to do with them. Sorry. No, but they did have a crossover game once. So which one? Which one is Professor Layton? Professor Layton so, is a level five game. Isn't so it? yeah, Professor Layton so the guy with the is hat. A, yeah. Yes. He's got a hat and he solves mysteries that are usually really like like you'll be like, excuse me, have you seen a dog go down this way? And then the person is like, a dog. That reminds me of this puzzle that was part of my maths homework. And then you have to solve a puzzle <laughs> that's like, oh, I have three dogs, but I can only leave two of them with a chicken at one, and then, you know. How many dogs? <laughs> yeah. Well, like, it was um, all about using the screen and everything like that, wasn't it? And to solve yeah, the puzzles I mean, originally. Uh, it was like, but on, so, Catriel and the Millionaire's Legacy is a Professor Layton game. It's in the Professor Layton series, uh, but Professor Layton is not in it. So... <laughs> It's like a spin-off. Hmm. It's sort of, Almost. but kind of. So the the basically, Professor Layton's gone missing, and his daughter Catriel ah, uh, yeah. sets up a detective. Ag- she sets up a Layton's detective agency in London, 
Um, to find the to, old fellow, right? Yeah, so she's she's a firm believer in kind of going with your gut and kind of serendipity and all that kind of stuff. So she's trying to find her dad through the means of solving entirely unrelated cases mm. uh, that have nothing to do with him, but, you know. Um, yeah, in a yeah. roundabout way, she'll get there. Probably. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it's slightly different to the other Leightons in that. Uh, the other ones were like one overarching story and you would just go along and kind of um, find different clues and sort of be like, oh, why is this man running away from this, the <laughs> robots and stuff? Or whatever. Mm. Like, we appear to have traveled through time. How has this happened? And you would encounter the puzzles on the way because people, like I said, would be like, I will give you this info if you tell me how long it will take these lollipops to melt in the sun. Um, this one, it you get cases. I think there are 13 in all, um, so they're very distinct, separate cases that you will solve. So the first one is uh, the uh, minute hand is stolen off one of the faces of the Elizabeth Tower. Uh, and then there's one where um, this there's a haunted mansion that supposedly had six ghosts in it. And there's one where uh, London used to have a superhero called Ratman, who was a man dressed as a rat. And he went missing and you have to find him. And you solve the case when you've located six pertinent pieces of evidence. Pertinent? Uh, so how, yes. what, what's the action? Because again, having not played a Professor Layton, what, what is the game play? Like, are you, are you walking around? So, no, it's, London um, it, it's present day London. And it is, it's difficult because I played it on uh, the iPhone. Because mm-hmm. this one is the first one that's come out on iPhone and 3DS. Coming out on 3DS soon. Um, there there's, was a previous spin-off that was just smartphone. Um, and on the 3DS, you have, you know, the top screen and the bottom screen. And the bottom screen you use with the stylus to kind of move... Um, a magnifying glass around the top scene which will be a depiction of a little street with some people on it who all have tiny eyes and massive noses Um, and then you select different things to see what they are so you don't actually walk around in it you get static scenes with um, uh, static characters talking at you and stuff Uh, and in this one basically on your phone the bottom third of the screen is the bottom screen of the 3ds mm-hmm. um so it works quite well in that regard even if you're not using a stylus it works pretty well with it i mean there are little niggles with it being on the phone like the is the phone screen big enough yeah i didn't have any issue with that at all um it's just stuff like it's really bad for your battery <laughs> it drains your battery like a motherfucker yeah um the cinematics are displayed uh in uh landscape mode automatically so you have to turn your phone or just view them all like yeah, you can touch and then say display it in right, portrait, yeah. but some of them are only about ten seconds long, so it just feels a bit pointless. Mm. Um, and it does have a nice kind of, if you like the Leighton Games sort of tone, it has that nice kind of tone where it's all a bit kind of sort of over the top and a bit tongue in cheek. So all the characters are very over the top. But like the the story with them um, or the case that's a haunted mansion, you meet. Um, a spooky butler called Wooster with four O's. It's always had that quirky humour, that yeah, series, yeah. was not it? Yeah. Uh, and it's got loads of nice little mini games with it as well. So there is a lot of game for the fifteen ninety nine it costs on the phone. Right. And it is a long game as well. So, the- so, But the issue I had with it is that the puzzles just aren't as good as they used to be. And this is the first game... 
without the original Puzzle Master because he died last year. Oh. Um, aged 90. So this time it just seems like a lot. So they're always in lane. You always get a few sort of cheaty ones where the game tries to trick you into doing a lot of complicated maths and then the answer turns out to be zero because like it will be like um try and think of an example that isn't actually a spoiler like um uh like your car is broken down and uh one person pushing it can push it at a mile an hour mm. and every extra person pushing it speeds it up by like a mile or whatever mm. um how long will it take to, or how many miles can you push it in an hour if everyone inside the car gets out and pushes it? Right. And then the answer is zero, because if everyone gets out, who's steering it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. And you'd always get some like that, because for the rest of the game, where, where you're thinking about it all logically and you're doing math and stuff, when you get one of those, it does stump you. Um, and you're like, oh, okay, fair enough. In millionaire's conspiracy it does it all the time <laughs> oh really all the time it always be like how many cats can eat you know this much cat food in three days and then there'll be some wording in the puzzle that means none of them because yeah. they all got adopted from the shelter like because <laughs> <laughs> they don't even like chicken so fuck yeah off. exactly it's all stuff like that or, or, like so many of them it would just be like how many squares are in this image? None, because the the angle means none of them are squares. Like they're actually triangles, <laughs> stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and that like it was fine when there was just a few of them because you were like, ah, okay, fair enough. I see what we did yeah. there. And now you're just like, oh, fuck off! It's like you're cheating. Joke. You're cheating. <laughs> the game is cheating. So that I mean, it's still nice and it's still really nicely drawn and the characters are engaging and stuff. But when you do the puzzles, you're just kind of like, oh, fuck off. It's an annoyance rather than a quirk. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's so a shame. It is, a, it is a great shame. So I hope that when, you know, the next one, because there is going to be a next mainline game. Yeah. Um, I hope that it is, okay. it doesn't have <laughs> that many of them. You were almost a Jill sandwich. It's me, Mario. Would you kindly? Listen. Let's go bowling. This is my favorite store on the Citadel. War never changes. Every week on the Video Gamer Podcast, I test the gaming knowledge of my colleagues with a simple game called Who Am I? I give five clues to the identity of a video game character, and you, Alice Bell, and you, Chris Allen, must give me the correct answer. All you have to do is say stop, and then give me said answer, clue number one. Uh, My first appearance in a video game came in 1992. 1992. Clue number two, I have appeared in approximately 30 games. Fucking hell. I have appeared in approximately 30 games. Stop. Chris Hallam. Sonic the Hedgehog. Incorrect. Clue number three, my next game is scheduled to launch next year and will be my debut on on specific hardware, excuse me. But not an awful lot is known about that game yet. Stop. Alice Bell. Pikachu? Incorrect. Clue number four. My main antagonist is, quote, an obese eagle-like being, end quote, according to Wikipedia. (laughs) Oh, stop. Uh, Chris Allen. Tails. Incorrect. Uh, And clue number five. 
And the fingers on the buzzers, I would say. Clue number five. Some would say I suck, but I'm not a one-trick pony. Stop. Oh, Chris Hallam. Kirby. And this week's winner is Chris Hallam. Whoop, 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 whoop. Uh, yeah, to go through the clues, of course, my first appearance in a video game came in 1992, Kirby's Dreamland. Clue number two, I've appeared in approximately 30 games. Like, it got to a point where I was counting them and I was like, Hold on, I'm after. F- Hold on, is that that one? I was like, about 30. There's been fucking loads of them. But I was like, 30 Kirby games since yeah. 1992. It's fucking mental. Uh, I'm sure they've released like six or something, on, or seven on the 3DS on the alone. 3D, there was a lot yeah. of them on 3DS, yeah. Uh, clue number three my next game is scheduled to launch next year and will be my debut on specific hardware, but not an awful lot is known about that game yet. I mean, yeah. They announced just, E3, didn't they? It's just, just the pitch. It's just called much. Kirby so yeah. far, like. Uh, clue number four my main antagonist is an obese eagle like being see I always thought he was a penguin do you know King DDD yeah I always thought he was a penguin I don't know it's an yeah. eagle like being apparently and obviously some would say I suck but I'm not a one trick pony I also blow of course that's what Kirby does he sucks and he blows he well steals done. the abilities when he sucks them in indeed he does so well done Chris Hallam well done on to the questions because every Tuesday we send a call out on Twitter at VideoGamer.com looking for questions for the Video Gamer podcast and wonderfully you delightful people answer us in your droves just like Sean Cleaver who asked what are the best Sonic games? I mean I'm proud I don't know why you're looking at Alice Chris uh, I'll leave that to you I was I was just going to see if Alice was going to answer first oh no I have no experience with Sonic um, games you Sonic- must have hang on you must have played and Sonic I played game. like the first one and then I played one of the ones on the 360 that was 3D and shit. Ah, oh, see, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's probably... Was that Sonic 06? I can't remember. The one when he kisses a girl. A I mean, well, girl. well that, that, was, that was the one where fucking, yeah, he jumped the shark. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Chris, best Sonic games. <sighs> Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 on the Mega Drive. Go on, give me a third, focus. A third? <laughs> While we're here. <laughs> While we're here. Um... Oh, I don't know. I want to. Hopefully, I mean, I Sonic I Mania. Wanna, I didn't want to stump you that much, but like, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, it's the original trilogy. Well, the original quadrilogy. Of yeah, Sa- the Sonic and Knuckles as well, which is obviously like Sonic, Sonic Three and Sonic and Knuckles are seen as kind of one, but they're yeah. not. They were released separately. They were like six, seven months apart. Um, but like, shout out to Doctor Robotnik's Mean Bee Machine. That was a very good. That was- Col- columns, columns cl- uh, slash Tetris game. Oh, it's brilliant. Uh, and as well, Sonic Spinball, just for the music alone. Absolutely yeah. banging music in that game. It was. To be honest, I actually did enjoy the Sonic Adventure game on the Dreamcast. See, I played them after the fact. Yeah. And they were fucking shit. Oh, they weren't great. But the thing is, I played it at the time. So for me, playing it in 3D, Sonic in 3D at that time, you like it, but you're just holding up anyway. Well, yeah, so, modern-day Sonic yeah, games, yeah. yeah. But the... Uh, the I liked Sonic Advance as well. Was that the that was the Game Boy Advance one? Yeah, the Game Boy Advance version. Sonic Advance was fantastic. Yeah, I loved that. I used to do time trial battles with my mates. Sonic has had, uh, supposedly, I haven't played many of them, but Sonic has had apparently a, a, a number of decent uh, kind of Nintendo handheld games. Oh, like, uh, what was the Sonic other Colors. Colors. Yeah. Colors was massively loved as well. Uh, Callum Agnew asks what's more important a game that is supported by the narrative or a narrative that is supported by the game Nintendo versus Naughty Dog that's a difficult one I mean 
it depends on the game. Like, it depends what you want to do with the game, right? Like, yeah, I think it is quite. I think, as a general rule, there are there probably have been more games that I have played because they were enjoyable in terms of playing them rather than I enjoyed the story. Yeah, do you know, like. Because that's what games have been from a long time. Uh, and it's only been in the past number of years that game stories are getting better. Mm. I still don't think they're up to a certain standard, but they are getting better. And every now and again, there has been a kind of a standout. But I yeah. think, like, are you going to play a shit game because it has a great story? Or are you going to play a great story? But a sh- no, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 like it's, it's not cut and dry. It's not cut and dry, but I, I think more often than not, you're going to play mm. something that has great core mechanics. Yeah. I, th- like, I think with games, it is probably the case that bad gameplay, whatever that word means, will hamper you playing it more than if it's if exactly. the game works, or but the story is shit. Mm-hmm. You don't want to battle the game to get the story. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Rather than sometimes you can ignore the story to play through the game, and I think that's far more bearable than the the other option. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas McHale asks best slash favorite gaming magazine from the past when print media was still the best way to get gaming news. I mean, print media does still exist. I mean, it still does exist. Like, I mean, but I suppose in terms of gaming news, I suppose yeah, it's not immediate. But there are still a lot of very good magazines out there. Um. Personal favourite, Edge. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked Edge. Um, as um, I, I've always found it really fun, uh, um, really enjoyable. I love the insightful pieces, and I always loved the kind of the layout of it. See, I grew up on PlayStation magazines. I grew yeah. up on for a while. I got official PlayStation magazine. I got and, it for the demos, and yeah. then uh, I got that, and then I got Play as well for a long time. So those are the two ones that I kind of. Games I remember. TM. Yeah. Games, Games TM. TM. I liked that as well. Everyone liked Nintendo Power as well, didn't they? I yeah. think that's kind of an American thing, though, isn't it? Mm, yeah. I know. I feel like Americans love Nintendo Power. It comes a lot up a lot more. Yeah, I think over it was, there. It was bigger there than here, but like Games Master was massive as well mm. at one point, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And um, official Nintendo magazine as well. I used to get, and I remember very vividly there was one issue that came out just after uh, Pokemon red and blue came out and uh and it had like a walkthrough for like the entire game that would tell you like it would show you the maps in the monthly magazine yeah had a prima guide i got that and i remember like like i was the only one of my friends that had it and it was like the bible and they'd all like borrow it for a bit so they could like you know, look at it. Did you ever get it back in the end? Or yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. It was, okay, it was, right. I, I remember where I kept Trust it on the bottom shelf next to the Asterix uh, I got that. Uh, sorry. I got that Dreamcast magazine. Um, there was one that was released um, and basically they had the, the disc on the front and it allowed you to play. It basically removed the system security for the Sega Dreamcast and allowed you to play copied games. <laughs> Uh, from uh, from on the Sega Dreamcast, yeah, it mag- came- from the mag the official magazine, yeah, and interesting. I know, yeah, it was um, the the magazine issue, which pretty much put most of the Sega Dreamcast writing industry out of jobs overnight. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, I've still got it. I think at home. Uh, Tom asks, if I like dark chocolate bounties, does that mean I'm going to hell? Of course it does, Tom. Yep. 
That's, of course it does. That's the, the worst. worst kind of bounty. I feel like I dark chocolate isn't for me, but I feel like if you're going to eat dark chocolate, don't fuck about. No, I don't think he's going to hell. I think there's a special place reserved just for him, which hasn't been created yet. Dark chocolate bounty, like. Like if you're going to eat dark chocolate, fucking eat it. Don't have dark chocolate and then throw a load of sugar on it. What's the point? It, do, it does seem like you're defeating the purpose a little bit, alright, doesn't it? I just, mm, yeah, I don't know. Uh, and Michael asks, what critically loved game have you never played? Uh, Metal Gear Solid 5, I guess people like that, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, and 4, in fact. It's a brilliant game, but then also brilliant in how much they cocked it up. What um what game what critically acclaimed game have you never played, Chris? Critically acclaimed game have I never played. I mean oh I, I I I can, even from this year, loads. Persona five and I will never Persona. play it either because it's a hundred plus hours, 120, 140 hours, and I'm sorry, I'm an adult and I do not have that time mm. to put into a game. I haven't played Near Automata yet. I haven't played that either. Yeah, that's a great game, though. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there are things that just kind of pass you by. Yeah, well, what was yours, Chris? It was Persona Five. There was Near Automata as well. Um, and I'm trying to think of what else. Um, I mean, we were talking about Gone Home the other day, hmm. and I haven't played that one. Ooh, yeah, and it's um, so good. And I was speaking to you about it yesterday Colin um, when I was saying I hadn't played Gone Home and I asked you how Tacoma was and I was saying I played that everybody's gone to the rapture and kind of put that down <laughs> but yeah there's there's so many games it's a case of really how many fingers do you have because <laughs> I haven't got there's so many games that I haven't played that it gets, you'd like to isn't there it just gets bigger every day it gets harder the older you get as well like when I was a student I would stay up till 5am playing Left 4 Dead 2 and other shit because like well I was a fucking humanities student as well I didn't have anything else on <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I had like six hours a week at most contact teaching and the rest of the time I was just sat at home so I read some books as well I'm sure you did um, but when you get older and you have to have an actual job and then you have like another half that you have to talk to you have to go home and occasionally. plan what you're going to eat and shop and all, all that, that crap stuff. and that takes time out of your gaming doesn't it unfortunately it takes time out of everything Chris yeah. it becomes time Yeah, that time, everything else fills up the extra time that you barely have much of. So, you know, there you go. That's something to look forward to, kids. Uh, but that just about does it for this week's edition of the Video Gamer Podcast. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. And, of course, the VGBGs for your continued support. Your excellent Video Gamer boys and girls. And we can't thank you enough. But what we can do is give you an extended bit at the end of this podcast. Uh, which I'm sure myself, Chris and Alice will be talking about something enlightening that will amaze and delight you and you will of course have uh, an episode of Video Gamer Extra this Friday and uh, you will also get a Q&A on Thursday as well uh, so look forward to that uh, we do ask you beautiful wonderful listeners of course to rate us on iTunes as well that would be great we only accept 5 stars and on Twitter Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat which we are going to start we're going to start using some of those social networks that we don't haven't been using much lately we're going to start using them again uh, you can follow us or like us or anything on all those relevant social networks at videogamer.com and we are also on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash videogamertv and you can get me on Twitter at Conor underscore Hearn. Chris is at IBU666 and Alice is at BabyGotBell. But for all of your video gamer needs, just head to videogamer.com. And now it's time 
for my least favorite parody show. This is the parody show where we must bid the listener adieu. So say goodbye, Chris Hallam. Goodbye, everybody. Say goodbye, Alice Bell. Goodbye, everybody. And say goodbye, Colin Mahern Sloan. Guffle. <laughs>